Chapter Twelve of Raspberry Jam by Caroline Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. In Hanlon's office, in an office building, away downtown, a little old lady stood in the lobby, studying the great bulletin board of room numbers. Can I help you, ma'am? Asked the elevator starter, seeing her perplexity. I want Sykes and Barton, scenic sign painters, she said, positively enough. But there are so many S's, I can't seem to find them. All right, ma'am, here they are, sixth floor, room 614. Thank you, the old lady said, and entered the elevator he indicated. She seemed preoccupied and made no move to leave the car until the elevator man spoke to her twice. This is the floor you want, lady, he said. Room 614. That way, just round that first corner. Miss Ames started off in the way he pointed and stood for a moment in front of the door numbered 614. Then, with a determined shake of her thin shoulders, she opened the door and walked in. I want to see Mr. Hanlon, she said to the girl at the first desk. By appointment? No, but say it is Miss Ames. He'll see me. Why, Miss Ames, how do you do? And the man who had so interested the beholders of his feet in Newark came forward to greet her. Come right into my office. And he led her to an inner room. Now... What's it all about? The cheery reception set his visitor at ease, and she drew a long breath of relief as she settled herself in the chair he offered. Oh, Mr. Hanlon, I'm so frightened, or at least I was. It's all so noisy and confusing down here. Why, I haven't been downtown in New York for twenty years. That's so. Then I must take you up on our roof and show you a few of the skyscrapers. No, no, I have not time for anything like that. Oh, Mr. Hanlon, you, have you read in the papers of our, our trouble? Yes. And the young man spoke gravely. I have, Miss Ames, just a week ago today, wasn't it? Yes and they are no nearer a solution of the mystery than ever. And, oh, Mr. Hanlon, they are still suspecting Eunice, Mrs. Embry. And I must save her. She didn't do it. Truly, she didn't. And I think I did. What? Yes, I truly think so. But I wasn't myself, you know. I was hypnotized. Hypnotized? by whom i don't know by some awful person who wanted sanford dead i suppose but that's ridiculous miss ames no it isn't i'm a very easy subject have you ever been hypnotized not very successfully but no real hypnotizer ever tried it i am sure though i would be a perfect subject i am so so psychic, you know. Bosh and nonsense, 
You know, Miss Ames, what I think of that sort of thing. You know how I played on people's gullibility when I used to do that fake thought transference. I know, Mr. Hanlon, and Miss Ames was very earnest, but— and this is why I am here. You told me that in all the foolery and hocus-pocus there was, you believed, two percent of genuine telepathy, two percent of genuine communication with the spirits of the dead. But I said that merely in a general way, Miss Ames. I didn't mean to say it was a proven proposition. That isn't the point. You told me there were a few— a very few real sincere mediums now i am here to get the address of the best one you know of i want to go to him or her and have a seance and i want to get into communication with sanford with mr embry's spirit and learn from him who killed him it's the only way we can ever find out miss ames gray eyes took on a strange look she seemed half hypnotized at the moment as she looked at handlin he moved uncomfortably under her gaze well he said at length i can give you the address of the best the only real medium i know that i will do with pleasure but i cannot guarantee his bringing about a materialization of of mr embry never mind about materialization if he can get in touch and get a message for me you see i haven't said much about this but mr embry's spirit appeared to me as as he died what yes just at the moment his soul passed from earth his austral body passed by me and posed at my bedside for a farewell you amaze me you are indeed psychic tell me about it no i won't tell you the story i'll tell the medium but i know i saw him why he was discernible to all my five senses to your senses then it was no spirit oh yes it was sanford's body still lay on his own bed but his passing spirit materialized sufficiently for me to see it to hear it to feel it miss ames you mustn't go to a medium you are too imaginative too easily swayed don't go dear lady it can do no good young hanlon looked as he felt very solicitous for the aged spinster and he cast an anxious glance at her disturbed face i must she insisted it is the only way i had great trouble to find you mr hanlon i had to communicate with mr mortimer in newark and at last we traced you here are you all through with your fake tricks yes hanlon laughed i warned them out i have gone into a legitimate business sign painting yes as you see but such big signs and the old lady's eyes wandered to photographs and sketches of enormous scenic signs such as are painted on high buildings or built on housetops that's the specialty of this firm i am only learning but it strongly appeals to me it's really more of an art than
than a trade now as to this man you want to see miss ames i'll give you his address but i beg of you to think it over before you visit him consult with someone not mrs embry some man of good judgment and clear mind who is advising you mr hendricks and mr elliot you saw them both the day you were at our house they advise my niece and myself in all matters shall i ask them miss abby was pathetic in her simple inquiry and hanlon spoke gently as he replied yes if you are determined to try the experiment but i do not advise you to see mr morigny in the medium i spoke of here is the address but you talk it over with those two men you mentioned i know they are both practical logical business men and their advice on the subject will be all right i thank you miss ames for honouring me with a call i hope if you do go to see marigny it will prove a satisfactory seance but i also hope you will decide not to go you are as i said too emotional too easily swayed by the supernatural to go very deeply into those mysteries shall i take you to the elevator if you please mr hanlon and still in that half oblivious mood miss ames allowed herself to be led through the halls hanlon went down with her for he feared to leave her to her own devices he was relieved to find she had a taxicab in waiting and as he put her into it he cautioned the driver to take his fare straight home but i want to go to marigny's now objected miss ames as she heard what hanlon said oh you can't you must make an appointment with him by mail or by telephone and too you promised me you'd put it up to mr hendricks or mr elliot first so i did and the old head nodded submissively as the taxi drove away when ferdinand admitted aunt abby to the embry home she heard voices in the living room that were unmistakably raised in anger you know perfectly well fifi eunice was saying that your little bridge games are quite big enough to be called a violation of the law you know that such stakes as you people play for it isn't the size of the stake that makes gambling fifi d'estournay cried shrilly i've had the advice of a lawyer and he says that as long as it's my own home and the players are invited guests there is no possibility of being raided said eunice scathingly might as well call things by their real name hush up some of the servants might hear you how unkind you are to me eunice you used to love your little fifi well she doesn't now said miss ames tartly as she came in you see mrs destiny you have been instrumental in bringing our dear eunice under a dreadful and absolutely unfounded suspicion dreadful but far from unfounded declared mrs destiny 
her little hands uplifted and her pretty face showing a scornful smile you and i aunt abby know what our dear eunice's temper is don't you aunt abby me you good-for-nothing little piece i am surprised eunice allows you in this house now now if eunice doesn't want me i'll get out and jolly well glad to do so how about it eunice i came here to help but if i'm not wanted out goes little fifi she rose shaking her fur stole into place about her dainty person and whipping out a tiny mirror from her vanity case she applied a rouge stick to her already scarlet lips no no and eunice wailed despairingly don't go fifi i oh i don't know how i feel toward you you see i'll speak plainly you see it was my acquaintance with you that caused the trouble mostly between me and san thought it was money matters his stinginess you know he wasn't stingy he wouldn't give me an allowance but he was generous in every other way and that's why why you came into my gambling house to try to pick up a little ready cash i know but now looky here eunice you've got to decide either you are with me or agin me i won't have any blow hot blow cold you're friends with fifi destiny or she's your enemy what do you mean just what i say you like me you've always liked me now stand by me and i'll stand by you how you think i can't well madam you're greatly mistaken that big blundering fool of a detective person has been to see me shane the same and he grilled me pretty thoroughly as to our going to see hamlet and whether we talked the poison scene over and so forth and so on in a word eunice embry i hold your life in my hands fifi held out her pretty little hands dramatically she still stood her white fur scarf hanging from one shoulder her small turban of red breast feathers cocked at a jaunty angle about her straight brows and one tiny slippered foot tapping decidedly on the floor yes ma'am in my two hands me fifi if i tell all we said about that poisoning of the old hamlet gentleman through his ear you know what we said eunice embry you know how we discussed the impossibility of such a murder ever being discovered you know if i should give shane a full account of the talk of ours the life of madame embry wouldn't be worth that a snap of a dainty thumb and finger gave a sharp click that went straight through eunice's brain and made her gasp out a frightened oh yes ma'am oh oh you like to you can't deny it shane came to see me three times i almost told him all the last time for you steadily refused to see me until to-day and now to-day i put it to you eunice embry 
do you want me for a friend or foe fifi's blue eyes glittered her red lips closed in a tight line and her little pointed face was as the face of a wicked sprite eunice stood surveying her tall stately beautiful she towered above her guest and looked down on her with a fine disdain eunice's eyes were stormy not glittering desperate rather than defiant she seemed almost like a fierce powerful tiger appraising a small but very wily ferret is this a bargain she cried scathingly are you offering to buy my friendship i know you fifi d'estournay you are a snake in the grass fifi clenched her little fists drew her lips between her teeth and fairly hissed serpent yourself murderess i know all and i shall tell all you'll regret the day you scorn the friendship the help of fifi d'estournay i don't want your help at the price of friendship with you i know you for what you are my husband told me others have told me i did go to your house for the sake of winning money yes and i am ashamed of it and i am ready to face any accusation brave any suspicion rather than be shielded from it or helped out of it by you fine words but they mean nothing you know you're justly accused you know you're rightly suspected but you are clever you also know that no jury in this enlightened age will ever convict a woman especially a beautiful woman you know you are safe from even the lightest sentence and that though you are guilty yes guilty of the murder of your husband you will get off scot-free because fifi paused to give her last shot-telling effect because your counsel ovid hendricks is in love with you he will manage it and what he can't accomplish mason elliot can with those two influential men both in love with you you can't be convicted and probably you won't even be arrested go said eunice and she folded her arms as she gazed at her angry antagonist go i scorn to refute or even answer your words because they are true because there is no answer fifi fairly screamed you think you are a power because you're tall and statuesque and stunning you know if those men can't keep you out of the courtroom at least you are safe in the hands of any judge or jury because they are men you know if you smile at them pathetically if you cast those wonderful eyes of yours at them they'll grovel at your feet i know you eunice embry you are banking on your femininity to save you from your just fate you judge me by yourself fifi you are a power among men most women are but i do not bank on that not alone you bank on the fact that either hendricks or elliot would go through hell for you and count it an easy journey 
you rest easy in the knowledge that those two men can do just about anything they set their minds to will you go yes i will go and when mr shane comes to see me again i'll tell him the truth all the truth about the hamlet play and it will be enough tell him eunice's eyes blazed now tell him the truth and add to it whatever lies your clever brain can invent do your worst fifi destiny i am not afraid of you i am going eunice fifi moved slowly toward the door i shall tell the truth but i shall add no lies that will not be necessary she disappeared and eunice stood panting with excitement and indignation aunt abby came toward her the old lady had been a witness of the whole scene had indeed tried several times to utter a word of pacification but neither of the women had so much as noticed her go away auntie please said eunice i can't talk to you i'm expecting mason at any time now and i want to get calmed down a little miss ames went to her room and eunice sat down on the devonport she sat upright tensely quiet and thought over all fifi had said all she had threatened it would have been far better eunice told herself for my cause if i had held her friendship and i could have done it easily but fifi's friendship would be worse than her enmity when mason elliot came detective driscoll was with him the net of the detectives was closing in around eunice and though both elliot and hendricks as fifi had truly surmised were doing all in their power that the was not far off eunice was in imminent danger of arrest at any moment we have been talking about the will sanford's will elliot said in a dreary tone after the callers were seated and eunice mr driscoll chooses to think that the fact that san left practically everything to you without any restraint in the way of trustees or restriction of any sort is another count against you eunice smiled bravely but that isn't news she said we all knew that my husband made me his sole or rather principal beneficiary i know the consensus of opinion is that i murdered my husband that i might have his money and full control of it this is no new element no said driscoll moved by the sight of the now patient gentle face no but we have added a few more facts and look here mrs embry it's this way i have doped it out that there are five persons who could possibly have committed this this crime i'll speak plainly for you have continually permitted me even urged me to do so well let us say sanford emery could have been killed by anyone of a certain five and they size up like this mr elliot here and mr alvid hendricks may be said to have had motive but no opportunity 
motive said eunice in a tone of deepest possible scorn yes ma'am mr elliot now is an admirer of yours don't look offended please i am speaking very seriously it is among the possibilities that he wanted your husband out of his way mason elliot listened to this without any expression of annoyance indeed he had heard this argument of driscoll's before and it affected him not at all but mrs embry mr elliot had no opportunity we have learned beyond all doubt that he was at his club or at his home all that night next mr hendricks had a motive the rival candidates were both eager for election we must call that a motive for mr hendricks to be willing to remove his opponent but again mr hendricks had no opportunity he was in boston from the afternoon of the day before mr embry's death until noon of the next day that lets him out positively therefore there are two with motives but no opportunity next we must admit there were two who had opportunity but no motive i refer to ferdinand your butler and miss ames your aunt these two could have managed to commit the deed had they chosen but we can find no motive to attribute to either of them it has been suggested that miss ames might have had such a desire to rid you mrs embry of a tranical husband that she was guilty but it is so highly improbable as to be almost unbelievable therefore as i sum it up the two who had motive without opportunity and the two who had opportunity without motive must all be disregarded because of the one who had motive and opportunity both yourself mrs embry the arraignment was complete driscoll's quiet even tones carried a sort of calm conviction and so eunice mason elliot spoke up i am going to try one more chance i have persuaded mr driscoll to wait a day or two before progressing any further and let me get fleming stone on this case very well said eunice listlessly who is he a celebrated detective mr driscoll makes no objection which goes to prove what a good detective he is himself his partner mr shane is not so willing but has grudgingly consented in fact they couldn't help themselves for they are not quite sure that they have enough evidence to arrest you shane thinks that stone will find out more and so strengthen the case against you but driscoll bless him thinks maybe stone can find another suspect i didn't exactly say i thought that mr elliot said driscoll i said i hoped it we all hope it returned elliot hope while you may and driscoll sighed fleming stone has never failed to find the criminal yet and if his findings verify mine i shall be glad to put the responsibility on his shoulders End of chapter twelve